Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. That was good. Well done. <laughs> Hello, Olivia. Hello, Lauren. How are you? Not too bad. Um, let's pretend like we didn't just talk for 30 minutes before this. <laughs> um, how are you feeling? Well, guys, I've got COVID for the third fucking time. Oh, my God. This is definitely the worst I've had. This is the worst COVID I've had, though. Um honestly like just feeling so sorry for myself <laughs> you look it, okay. it's the worst I think it's the drugs are now kicking in all right good but it's like you go between being like really hot and then really cold so like in the middle of the night I'll be like putting extra blankets on and then I'll wake up and be like oh so I really don't know who's going to play me in the movie of my life <laughs> oh, yeah weirdly um so I'm back in the country now I'm sorry about last week when I was a wee bit anybody listened to your amazing tale of Waverly Hills. It was quite iconic. It was quite iconic. <laughs> I was so hot as well, like, because it's like 33 degrees that day or whatever. So, yeah, I think I was also really dehydrated, guys. But, um, yep, back in the country, it's raining in Scotland. Thank God, because we need that water. Right. It pure needed it, didn't it? <laughs> pure needed the nourishment of water. <laughs> yeah, it did, it needed it. But um, la- speaking of temperature, last night, though, I was like, I woke up twice last night hot as hell. And I don't understand why, because I don't think the temperature was that high. Oh, really? So I don't know. I mean, I was covered in cats, as usual. Bloody cats were both on top of me. You're right, I guess. Have you <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. I was like, oh, my God. Um, no, I don't know. Maybe it's that time of the month coming again or something. I don't know. You never oh, can yeah, tell. Fair, fair. <laughs> Yeah. I'm feeling a bit oh yeah I was hot last night and stuff so I think tonight I'm going to sleep with just uh I'm going to change the duvet cover because it's it, maybe it's that duvet, duvet cover it's too heavy or something so you know I've been having wild fever dreams have you um, yeah some nightmares I just keep waking up and I'll be like did that happen or was it a dream do you ever have that feeling where you're like did that actually happen like yeah random specific stuff actually let me tell you one I had a dream for some reason we were going through your Instagram for the podcast right <laughs> and we were going down your Instagram page we got to like 2016 and you just kept posting photos that said Lorenzo but it was like Lauren said oh and I was like why do you keep posting that and you're like that's just what people used to call me <laughs> well you know some people did used to call me Lorenzo oh, no that's quite weird I remember I can't remember which friends it were but they'd be like Lorenzo and I'd be like <laughs> Because I call my other friend Lauren Lorenzo. Oh, really? Um, and she's English, so I'm always like, how's half time? How's full time? <laughs> uh, but I've never, like, I've never called you it. That's weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's a weird it's one. Weird. 
Mm, interesting. Um, I've also got some really sad news um, for our listeners. Oh, so, oh, yeah. So before I went on holiday, I forgot to take annual leave today from my work um, because um, I was supposed to see the icon Yvette Fielding at the book festival this morning. And so I I was too late in asking. I'm sure my boss would have let me go, but I was just too late in asking. And I didn't want to take the mickey. So I I missed it. So I had to watch her online. At least you got to see some of it. Like it's better than none. But the most heartbreaking thing you told me was that Carl was in the audience and you could have been sitting near Carl. I could have been sat in your car, I could have grabbed him, I could have been like, take a picture with me, we talk about you every week on our podcast, please listen to our podcast, and instead I was sat at home looking at emails and looking at Yvette, it was like annoying or whatever, but hey-ho. Was she, sure. she got a wee like darker fringe on lighter hair. She did, yeah, I posted something on Instagram about it actually, like she, it was another wild haircut, like so. Very Cruella of her, very Cruella. <laughs> it was a bit actually, but she was genuinely like, I have to say, I love watching and listening to it because she's such a genuinely nice person and like, she likes to like, she's very kind of like, you remember that Carl, you remember when I did that Carl, you know, and all this type of stuff and he was like in the audience, oh, although I didn't realise that it's like a child's book that's come out, I think, and um, so the full audience was just children, so if I had gone along, it would be like me and 30 kids, which is like, <laughs> I love you with it. That would have been incredible though. I know, just that, like a giant child in the front row. You'd be like, my mum said I can come. Mum says I can come and see you today. <laughs> What's your favourite ghost? <laughs> Literally. Oh, God, love her. We God, we love a vet. We really do. I know. I'm so glad she didn't get tickets because she's doing um, a tour in Edinburgh and what do you call it, in the vaults and stuff like that. I mean, maybe not the vaults, but certainly in Greyfriars today. And I couldn't get tickets for it, but I think it was like limited tickets. But it was like a fiver to go on a hunt with a vet fielding. Again, in this economy, what a fucking bargain. To be fair, I was looking to book out their Airbnb down in Devon and I was like, they are not short of a few bulbs. So I'm sure a five are just like... Fair. Like, They're like, this, is their, this is their help and charity. This makes them philanthropic. Philanthropy. Yeah, philanthropy. That's <laughs> 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 Taking me around a ghost, a ghost tour or whatever. God, I'd love it. Anyway, um, so, sorry, should we get into... Uh, you want to talk about anything else just now or...? No, no, just um, if everyone listening could send good vibes to my lungs, I would appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Good vibes, good vibes. Oh, and another thing, there is... No, just to tell everyone, there if Discovery Plus subscribers... I know I've been watching a lot of Return to Amish. Um, I've also been watching Cotton Camera Paranormal or something like that. And it's like so good and it's super, super scary. Like um, it's all the things that I watch on YouTube constantly, but then they've now put it in a sort of program and stuff. So if you can't be arsed being a geek like me going on YouTube and watching it, there's now a program on Discovery Plus. So just to oh, I might watch it. I'm just going to add and plug another one. I've been watching The Osbournes Want to Believe. I think you spoke about it. There was a big foot bit. Uh-huh. but they basically show these types of videos and like basically tries to convince Ozzy and Sharon like there's no explanation for it and there's a really weird video on one of the episodes that I watched where like this this house has cameras set up everywhere because weird things kept happening and there's a bit where like you literally see the oven mitt being picked up off the hook placed on the cooker and the knob goes and turns it on and sets on fire it's so weird I would be so pissed off if that happened in my house, honestly. Same. Same. I, um, I feel like a fleet of police in or whatever. <laughs> I would be out. I would be like, take the house. You can burn it. I don't yeah, want take, to. Take the house. Take the house. I'm just going to grab my stuff. We would just toast marshmallows and be like, bye. <laughs> but it was really good. I would strongly recommend that. And then, and then from watching that, I watched Portals to Hell that he has. Have you ever watched that? Um, what is this? Jack Osborne? Yeah, he does like this show with another American gal. And they go to these really haunted locations. Um, and the ones I watched, some freaky shit happened. I love the Osbournes. What's that? I love the Osbournes. I particularly oh, like, yeah. I like Jack Osborne. I was watching his Bigfoot thing as well, because I used to be obsessed with that when I was younger as well. So I'm actually still, I'm going to catch up with that. So. But I do, I love like Discovery Plus. Love also, did, did you know that he's got MS? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I did know that, yeah. It's a, it's a shame for him. 
I I also love Sharon. I think she's just such an icon. She is. She is. There's like, there's one of those X Factor clips or whatever she used to do. Um, You know, when somebody kicked off and it was the one that was going to throw water on Louis and you just see her escorting her out of the room and it's honestly so funny. She's just like, come on now, darling, get out. (laughs) Have you seen the one where, oh, is it the one that's like, she's like, I'm a jockey and they thought she meant a disc jockey and they were like, she was like, no, like an actual jockey that rides horse and they can't stop laughing. Or in Louis. Right. <laughs> and they just can't stop laughing. And she's like, and I think she's, I can't remember what song she sings, but her and Louis had to leave because they were laughing so much. And then she like walks into the door frame because she's laughing. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> what a shame. Here nothing we go on the jockey. <laughs> nothing will be as iconic as that. What was that whale slashing? Which is like, round, I sing sing all over, I sing round the towns, all the towns and all that. Over town and everything. <laughs> yeah, she was amazing. I'm lazy at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit lazy at the moment. <laughs> you seen the TikTok impressions of her where people do her makeup and it's like to a T. It's really good, actually. Yeah, I've seen those. I love that kind of stuff, honestly. I've, I've spent hours of my life watching X Factor auditions. Like 100%. Do you know what's one of my favourites? Have you seen the one that's called Ant and Seb? I think yeah calls them aunt and death <laughs> the guy the guy they do like peter andre or something like that and the guy's like come on move your body <laughs> yeah. yeah move my body and the other guy's like i am on the show on the show <laughs> like that kind of thing literally Love and it. then he's like i don't know they say no and they're like please simon <laughs> they keep singing to him and then his pal's like he sounds just like rick astley and i'm like i actually kind of did Kind of did, the guy that could sing. He did. He, he would maybe be, he would, well, actually, I don't want to get into it too much. Maybe turn this into some sort of X Factor audition pod, but I did think that guy was maybe a bit more talented. He should have just told his pal to like sit outside or whatever. Do you know what I mean? He thought, like, right, I can sing, so I'm going to get you to come and rap the words after I sing them. <laughs> Whose idea was that? I, I think it was probably his friends. Yeah, I'm going to. I want to come too. Um, anyway, yeah, sorry. So, um, fabulous. Um, well, I'm looking forward to this week. I'm not, I don't know what this topic is, so I'm looking forward to hearing. Oh, sorry, did I not tell you? It's the Enfield Poltergeist. Oh, you went with Enfield. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I was like, this is going to be, an, I think this will be an extra long episode as well, because it's like, it's so much. A lot of shit. Um, but basically, <clears throat> before I get into it, um, so obviously, I think a lot of people will know about the Enfield Portergeist, or at least know some of it, or seen some of the sort of infamous photography that was taken. But um, it's probably um, it's probably one of the best documented like ghost investigations or like Portergeist investigations in the UK. Certainly, probably in in the world actually, um, just because of the intensity of it, which I'll obviously get into. But um, it's also obviously it's it's. In the Conjuring Two, they kind of um, they take it from the more of the like the the Warrens investigation of that particular piece, rather than the, the guy that I'm going to talk about, who I think is also including the film. I can't remember; I've only seen it once. But um, I, think, a- I know who you're talking about because I think I've listened to my fave Two Girls One Ghost, and I won't spoil it. But I think I know who you're talking about. And there mm-hmm. was like a reason he got involved in the investigation, wasn't there? There's was, like a personal reason. Yeah, there was there's a few reasons, but so I mean it's it's an infamous infamous story, um, and it ha- happened in the seventies, um, and down in London, and it's like I don't know, like there's a lot of scrutiny around it as well because some of the evidence wasn't exactly like, you know, um, kosher or whatever. Like, like some of the things were like I'll talk about it in the, in a, in a second, but it's been scrutinized a lot as well because it was involving like young girls and like there was a lot of kind of like oh were they pranking or were they you know it, were they just doing it for attention or whatever but some of the stuff and I, actually watching some of the interviews of the girls that that happened to you can kind of, you can just tell they're being genuine like you can tell that they've obviously gone through quite a bit and you know I can understand why but um it doesn't feel like it was falsified and I don't understand what the benefit of falsifying it would be anyway so yeah that's interesting um yeah yeah so uh uh let's let's get into it um it's gonna be a bit of a long one guys well hopefully I won't just like read through it really quick because I I wrote loads and loads on this um you're gonna put it on the fridge after you're done yeah well (laughs) you should (laughs) <laughs> so anyway um so 
in August um, 1977, the um, the decade of um, David Cassidy and Donny Osmond and the Osmonds, um, a single parent um, called Peggy Hodgson moved into 284 Green, Green Street in Enfield. Um, so she, she had just come through a divorce um, and I think she was obviously sort of a, a working class woman who was trying, trying to raise four children in a council house down there. So she'd moved in and they'd not been long there um, with her four kids when um, strange occurrences started happening. Um, so the it was okay for a time and then one night um it all kicked off where the girls the two girls the two oldest girls um janet and margaret who used to share a room and also by the way i've seen pictures of the room and i'm like that's so 70s there's even like a picture of joanna lumley on the wall i'm like wow i'm like i love it um so one night the two girls they were getting ready for bed and um, the mum was downstairs and I think her brothers were in the other room and stuff. And um, while they were chatting, um, they started to see that their chest of drawers that was like next to the wall just started to like come out from the wall. And it was like getting dragged across the floor and they were just like, what? nope, nope. And then um, they just sort of looked at it. And then their mother obviously heard it downstairs, Peggy. She came up, who's named after, uh, my cat's named after that. <laughs> she came upstairs. Is your cat named after Peggy Hodgson? There's two, no, 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 no. <laughs> She's named after, oh, I can't remember. Is it Peggy Mitchell? No. no. Probably, probably Princess Margaret or something like that. Yeah. I can't remember. Um, anyway, so basically Peggy came upstairs and was like, they were like Londoners, she was like, listen, Listen, girls, stop kicking off an air. I want, I'll pack it in or I want to separate you or whatever. Because she thought the girls were just like jumping about and having a laugh at night. Um, and then while she was in the room, the girls pointed over and said it wasn't us, it was the chest. And the chest like moved out again. And Peggy was like, what? Um, so she went over to the chest and like pushed it up against the wall. And as she pushed it against the wall, it like violently pushed back out at her. And then she tried to push it in again and then it violently pushed back out. And then all of a sudden the girls started to hear there was like loud knocking and it was like coming from the room and they kept hearing like, uh, like it was in one wall and then it would be in another wall and stuff like that. And then they would hear, they were hearing like loads and loads of different sounds and stuff. So I think they spent the first night in the house. They didn't really know what to do about it. They were all just a bit freaked out and a bit scared because they just couldn't understand what the, what the thing was. So um, the next morning, um, when the girls had just woken up, and um, basically Peggy took her four kids next door. Um, she lived next to a couple called Vic and, Pe- and Peggy, another Peggy. Another it's, obviously Peggy. Like a, it's obviously like a London thing. Eh? It's like, we're going to call her Peggy. We're going to call her Peggy. Um, so they, they went downstairs, took all the kids next door because she was it, the knocking continued. So they went next door to Vic and Peggy's. Vic was this big like burly Londoner builder guy um didn't look like he was scared of anything I've even watched I've watched interviews with him actually for this this particular pod was he a right um well if you like gruff big London builder men then yeah probably um but you know that's probably handsome for a type I suppose so anyway all the all the kids in the family stayed next door and Vic said right I'm gonna go and have a look so he left them there he went into the house and he said that as he entered the house, he could hear, he walked upstairs and he could hear this knocking again. And it was like, like, so it was like, not, it was just consistent knocking and it could be like really, really loud thumps or it was like really loud something else. Um, and he said that he was, every room he went into, he would hear the knock in the room. So it was like it was following around the room. And eventually he went downstairs and I think the the family or his wife and Peggy must Peggy and Peggy must have like come into the house and stuff like that, and they were discussing it. And he was like, he's like, I'm a builder. I don't know what that noise is, but it's actually starting to freak me out a little bit, or however he would say it in like a Cockney way in the 1970s. Like, oh, it's making me a bit bit scared. This or um, get on top of that building. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a bit airy in there, isn't it? Um. So. He was and she, Peggy Hodgson said that she she noticed that he was getting visibly quite scared, and then as they were standing downstairs, they started to hear this like thump from the ceiling, and he was like, "That's mental." 
so I think the kids and the family must have come back into the house and the 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 it kept consistently going off and they were wondering what to do because they're like well what do you do you can't find the source so the next night um basically Vic went in again and um, they were scouting about the house could still hear the knock-ins and the strange sounds and stuff and he said that there was like a box there must have been like a box of lego that was underneath the couch in the living room and he said as he walked into the room he said a piece of the lego got thrown at him and he said it was thrown with such force it hit his arm and it formed a bruise on his arm like a really bad bruise yeah and he said there was other stuff starting to get talked about as well so they didn't know what to do so like like anyone who doesn't know what to do um basically they called the police so um they so a constable came around two constables came came around to the house and stuff like that and they were like you know i think they walked in thinking ah is this going to be a you know it's obviously just going to be kids messing around or whatever um and they were scaring around the house and stuff and then basically they went into one of the rooms and the female constable um saw this chair and she, I quote, it wobbled and slid at least three to four feet across the room, which gave them a bit of a fright. And Vic said himself, because he was there with the police, they was like, you could see that they were like properly getting freaked out as well, or like they were like starting to become as scared as them. So instead of just being like, fuck this and left, um, the police decided to like do a proper check on the house. So they checked the objects that were moving about, like they checked to see if there were strings, they, like they could hear the sounds in the walls, that they couldn't find any kind of like, why is this happening or whatever. Um, and they were very, very thorough. And when they came out of the house afterwards, they were interviewed by the media and stuff, and they were like, we genuinely, we couldn't work out what was happening in that house. It was so weird. Um, and they like they were quite obviously skeptical when they came in. So for them to be visibly scared and quite, you know, we we're totally perplexed by this. Um, it was quite a big deal um and because there is you know there's nothing really the police can do if you can call the police and say oh a ghost is haunting my house what the hell are they going to do like you can't arrest the ghost so um they just kind of left it so because they didn't know what to do um they ended up calling the press so um just to see if they could get someone who had you know i don't know maybe they could get like money to pay for someone to investigate it so what they did was um, they phoned up the Daily Mirror. And this is Vic again that did this, the next door neighbour. So they phoned them up and they said, look, we live in this house and, you know, or this, our next door neighbour's experiencing like a lot of like really strange activity. There's been like multiple witnesses and it's getting to a point now where like the woman who owns the, or who lives in the house, Peggy, is really distressed. Like she was proper, like they were like really upset at what was going on. And it was, it was so evident that it wasn't a prank. Do you know what I mean? So um, so the Daily Mirror, because they found out there was quite a lot of eyewitnesses and it was quite an unusual story, they decided to come down and stuff like that. So this guy, Graham Morris, turned up with um, one of his colleagues and um, they set up all this like camera equipment like in the room and <clears throat> some of the rooms and things like that. And while they were filming and doing all the stuff that they would do as journalists, nothing happened for the first like, I don't know, however many hours they, they sat in the house and stuff like that. So they were like, ah, well, we can't see anything. Really sorry, we're just going to go. And, you know, thanks for it. Thanks for nothing, basically. And it was as Graham was going out to the car with his colleague, um, they were loading, like, all their stuff back in the van. And then they said they saw Vic running out the house and he was like, stuff's happening, stuff's happening. So they got all their equipment and stuff and they went back in and they were like, it, it was unbelievable, the stuff that was happening. So they set up all the cameras again, they did all the stuff, they got all the sound stuff ready and they just sat and waited. And they described it as there was things being thrown about the room. There was the no, like the loud banging. There was like all this stuff going on and all that. And um, and they basically started taking pictures. Um, and I think they took pictures of like you know the girls and things like that as well and how they were reacting because the girls were like screaming. And I think there was like other neighbors in the house. Like this <laughs> this house was jumping basically, and um, because of this poltergeist. Um. And they stayed for like, they were like quite heavily involved throughout the, like the whole time for the investigation. But after they left that day, <clears throat> they ended up going back and they were going to do like a report on it and get something out in the paper the next day. So they haven't taken loads of evidence. They thought, oh, we've got loads to go with here. So they, um, what do you call it? They like, they 
printed out all their photography you know the sort of old-fashioned style where you know do it in a sort of like in a black room and stuff like that and all the photography they'd taken where stuff was happening they didn't catch anything at all they were like no way so everything they they witnessed that day they were like we didn't have anything but they were like swear blind and they were like journalists they weren't like pissing about or whatever they were like what we saw like it's unbelievable like it, it we saw things getting thrown about we saw the stuff happening and all that so they were like right okay so we'll try and go back again in the meantime um because there was um there eventually there was quite a lot of press attention about this because they did eventually get an article out about it and then after that point I think it was actually the Daily Mirror themselves because they were like and this is you know I love the Daily Mirror you know I don't normally like tabloids but they're quite left-wing and I quite like that um they actually felt that because the family were so harassed and they were actually worried about their mental health and their well-being they decided to phone up the um it's like called the it's like the psych psychological research like center or something it was like or it was like some psychical like research body in the UK and what it is it's like a it's like a kind of like a it's like a group basically or an official board of like all the sort of um parapsychologists and like people that like to investigate these types of things um it had like a lot of members and stuff like that so they reached out to them and they said like there's something seriously happening in this house you should definitely go down and send someone down there officially so they had a new member that joined the psychical research board uh, or the society of psychical research um this gentleman called morris gross um, he was actually, um, to give a bit of background on him, he was a World War II veteran. Um, so he'd served in World War II, um, honorably, obviously. And then he'd also looked after, I think, Italian, um, you know how, like, for some reason, we kept prisoners of war that were Italian here. He um, looked after the welfare of those people that were in those camps that they were put into. Um, oh. So he did that kind of thing. Um, and, and that was kind of his profession. And then after that, he was um, an inventor. Um, but because of tragic circumstances, um, his daughter, Janet, funnily enough, um, was killed in a motorbike accident in August 1976. Um, after her death, there was like, he said there was loads of weird experiences in the house. So like, um, you know, they had like lots of strange things would happen and there was lots of psychic happenings and stuff like that. So he kind of really got into this type of work because of what had happened to his daughter. And obviously she died in 1976, so that's why it was such a new member. But he was, like, passionate. Vibes off. Sorry to interrupt. Do you want to Please, Mel. Like, you know, Gary Galka with, like, Mel Galka, how he made the Mel meter and things, he started to have experiences. They kind of Mm -hmm. remind me of each other in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there was a bit of, like, I think he had gone through such a trauma with that and there was a bit of desperation to try and, you know, because she was obviously very young, his daughter, I think, when she passed away in, in such a horrid manner. So um, I think he, yeah, he, he wanted to try and do this. I guess it's a form of, like, how you deal with bereavement as well. well you want hoping, isn't it? If you can do anything you can to see or speak to your daughter again, you're going to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, so that's so that's what he was involved with and stuff like that. And because he was an inventor, he was obviously into like lots of different technology that could like record things like that. And so he was probably the right man for the job. Um, obviously the eldest daughter who becomes the kind of the epicenter of all this activity is also called Janet. And I think there was like a kind of, he had like a, obviously a bit more of a connection to her because of his daughter and her name was Janet. And when I was watching interviews with him, he always talks about her, how she was like, you know, she was quite, you know, outgoing and like she was a really interesting wee child and she was obviously super clever as well so um he also had like a soft spot there because she's called Janet yeah what's just happened yeah but he so he was also a member of a thing called the ghost club as well which I'm like definitely going to join if it's still going although I think I did join a ghost club Hmm? same or we start one let's start one we'll call it the Scottish ghost club let's do it Let's for ghosts. Anyway, um, so he turned up and he said, and he said when he first walked through the door of the house and stuff, he was honestly shocked at how what was going on was impacting the family. Again, this was a kind of like a, a recurring sort of narrative when I was um, reading about this, that like um, 
like the the mother was obviously suffering she didn't know what to do and stuff like that and it was actually really upsetting the family in a big way um and I think they'd gone through quite a lot before that as well so it just was not it was not an ideal sitch that's not not ideal um so he initially spent a few nights um in the house um with it with the girls and he started documenting everything and again he was documenting like you know the, the knockings he was documenting like things that were happening to the girls and all that type of stuff you know and he eventually got to a point where he's like there's so much going on in this house I need some help um so he called I think a fellow sort of investigator who I think he was in the same club and all that but um his name was um Guy Lyon Playfair and I was watching an interview with him. He's pure posh as anything. I think he's probably dead oh, now. Really? Was he represented as posh in the film? I think so. I think he's played was by he? that guy, the guy, the posh guy who played Darcy. What's his name again? Oh. He was in Spooks. Oh, I know who you mean. Your talk is very, very deep voice guy. Like, he kind of. Yes, I know who you mean. I'm very handsome. He's of a type. So, so anyway, the real guy lion playfair, he came along, and he expected only to like kind of be there for like maybe a week or so, or a few days. He ended up, they ended up staying in the house for 14 months. <laughs> so it was a long investigation. Whoa, um, that's wild. Yeah, yeah. So like, um, and it's it's really it's it's amazing just how like when you watch about when you watch this and like read about it and stuff just how immersed they became in their lives it was like it wasn't like them just coming in and out they were like staying there sleeping there and stuff like that um and as the as the time went on as well um even with all these different people coming in because like at one point I think um the BBC came in and did stuff as well um the the like the activity just kept getting worse and worse so they eventually both um the psychologist um sorry parapsychologist um ended up starting to camp out in the house and they just wouldn't leave and they'd stay for days on end um over that time they saw things like heavy furniture would get thrown about the room um there would be like obviously the consistent bangs um there would be like strange smells strange sounds and um a lot of the time as well because the girls were so affected rather than boys as well there was a lot of stuff like um, the girls would like sleepwalk and they would be like in a sort of like they would they would come into the room and things like that and like one of the girls would be like on top of the chest of drawers just like asleep but on a weird angle um I think one of the uncles actually yeah one of the uncles actually like um, found the girls like that like Peggy's brother um so there's loads of stuff like that happening um and as time went on in October 1977, the activity actually started to become super violent. So it wasn't just bangs anymore. There was things literally getting properly thrown at people. Um, at this point, the girls were all sat in one room. And um, sorry, they all, everyone in the family was sleeping in the one room, basically, because they were so fearful to be like separated about the house. And the fireplace. Now, this is like the 1970s. And I don't know if your granny had this. Like my granny would be much older than your granny so um it was like an old-fashioned 70s gas fire that was in the room like you'd like click yeah. it on so they were in the room and peggy and the daughters described it as and and they had it they like they, they obviously recorded it as well the the fireplace just ripped off from the wall and just like literally it didn't even like get ripped off and thrown it was ripped off and then it slowly just levitated across the room and then just dropped and Morris was saying in his interview as well, like they would afterwards they went over and they went to like pick it up and stuff like that. And they were like, I can't pick this up. Like it was so heavy. So it couldn't oh have been the girls. God. Yeah. Couldn't have been the girls, couldn't have been Peggy or anything like that. So they were just like, right, this is mental. So Morris at this point, because he was so scared of what was like happening to the to the birds and that, like to the girls, um, he got stuff like that removed from the house. So he took it out of the house and got rid of it because if strong enough to like this entity is strong enough to rip that off the wall it'll be strong enough to throw it at the girls so they got rid of it and stuff like that um as i said october of 1977 that's when it really started to kick off so janet who was the oldest child and who i think a lot of people have probably seen in like interviews and things like that um she was like the main target of this poltergeist um and then by this point i mean it was actually starting to become violent over violent to her sorry um and much more aggressive than it was before um like she was attacked um she was the one that used to levitate across the bed and stuff like that 
so so yeah um so over that kind of period as i said um janet was slowly becoming the kind of like the target of this particular entity and stuff like that and there was some dispute around this because there's something to be said that through history you know girls that have been possessed or they've been like um you know they've been targeted by this type of thing they're always like prepubescent like so they're either going to go through their period or whatever and stuff like that and there's like heightened energy like there's like there's the case of the bell witch it's exactly what i thought of bell witch yeah yeah there's that and there's like there's actually a scottish woman as well that was possessed which i'm going to totally look up for a future episode that was 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 it somebody what Virginia something that was possessed Aye, that rings yeah. bell so, so that was a scenario that was looked at before as well and there's loads of other cases and stuff like Emily, or maybe not Emily Rose actually because she it, was it, like Emily yeah. Michelle. That's what Emily Rose is based on That's young, it, that's it Emily uh, yeah. Do you know my friend Rachel shout out Rachel because she's another spooky bitch like us, but she, I remember being at hers and we were having a scary movie night and she looked up the real possession an exorcism video off the real like of Annalise Annalise Michelle. Is it scary? I don't I refuse to watch it. I was like that no, I do not claim that I was like those people on TikTok that comment like I do not claim this negative energy. I was walking around with a candle. Uh, no, I no I can't just can't watch stuff like that either. It's just no, it's too, I don't not the real stuff. No. Nah. No, nah, it's too scary. And like also like there's like you know when sometimes on like ghost adventures and like most haunted and stuff when they have like those chance that they do I always like turn it down because I'm like I'm not wanting any of that shit in this house are you kidding 100% anyways right so basically they think because the girls were prepubescent that like Janet in particular was targeted by this entity so it became more and more violent towards her and one of the um scenarios that kicked off so this is a quote from Janet I remember a car, I can't do her accent but she's got like a London accent she's like very light sort of like that kind of thing you know I remember a curtain being wound around my neck. I was screaming. I thought I was going to die, Janet adds. My mum had to use all her strength to rip it away. What a cracking performance is Janet. I know. I actually should have played her in The Conjuring as well, <laughs> even though she was like yeah. 13 years old. I'm young enough looking. <laughs> but, Got this. So yeah, I mean, the, so the ghost was being incredibly violent towards her and stuff like that, and loads of things like that was happening. Um, and as I said before, like the family proper, proper shook up. Um, so there was also other things that were kicking off, like things like stuff was bending. Like they thought about the, you know, we were talking about the th- the radiator thing, not the radiator, sorry, the the stove that got pure kicked off the wall or whatever. Um, that was they actually did, they actually did experiments on Janet. So this was before, I'll get to the later on what they did to her, but they did things like telekinesis experiments. So Morris got somebody from the same society to come out and like see if she could like basically do certain things like bend metal with her mind and all that. Ooh, and, alleged, and allegedly, um, or not allegedly, they, they said that apparently she was able to bend a spoon with just her mind. Do you believe that stuff? No. I don't well, Unless I, somebody can give me proof because the only place that's happened is Matilda and I'm going to die on my... On <laughs> Matilda, God. They know, well, you know that Roald Dahl's a massive dick? I thought he was just a bit of a player, is he not? Was he not just like so oh, lad? Like beat his wife up. He was anti-Semitic. Very, very homophobic. Very homophobic. Yeah. I thought he was a proper lad. No, like he beat her up. He was so, like, anti-Semitic, anti-gay rights, anti, basically any human rights <laughs> by the sounds of things. And apparently, he was like, "Do you know how I make money? I just make stuff up and I get money from all these kids." That's harsh, man. For an LBC episode one week, I was like, "What a dick!" What a dickhead! I did not know that about him. I thought he was just like you know whatever rolled out it kind of ruined it for me because he's got so many classics so many classics won't be reading bloody bfg before bed again james and the giant peach gonna have to say bye oh god goodbye goodbye james (laughs) um so they also um as i mentioned before that the girls themselves and the family had gone through quite a stressful period because the mother had actually gone through a divorce with her husband which was obviously like pretty taboo back then as well um 
but she had so she was tr- kind of struggling to make ends meet as well what with all the kids and everything and apparently the father wasn't very well liked by the particularly by the girls so like their dad would come round and like to give like whatever like they used to do for like child you know when like parents have to pay shit to their kids that they don't live with anymore um he used to bring it round and give it to the, the mother and they used to just like not talk to him and stuff and apparently he used to bring his girlfriends round as well when he was dropping off the money which used to upset the mother so what a bastard what a dick um, dick move um but i was thinking back you know how so this will obviously be bad energy like stress all that type of stuff remember i was saying like a couple of weeks ago on the podcast about you know like when our house was a bit like not like that our house was horrible but like you know if i was ever fighting with my mum or whatever like sometimes weird stuff would happen again it's it's like bad juju in the air it is it is honestly i once i once said to my ex actually relatively recently actually i was like um watch what you say and or like watch how you feel in the house because it's just going to bring bad energy and i was like 100 correct (laughs) you were right on the fucking money there babe but like i totally agree with you like i think we've spoken about it as well like even if you if we are like after we've recorded an episode or been, we've been watching a lot of ghost adventures it's almost like you feel more energy like can come yeah. through it's weird so I totally agree with you, like bad vibes bad energy um Yvette had a pod one of her episodes recently on one of her podcasts where she was talking about how well, she talked about this this morning in the book fest actually um that meditation can open your third eye up and bring in stuff so like how you meditate and all that can open yourself up to loads of different things so yeah totally like my yeah. my meditation app that I fucking love the girl has a podcast um and she was like sometimes I get scared that I'm potentially opening myself up to something I don't actually want to be open up to like I don't want to see spirits and stuff yeah, I would be very surprised if that happened. But anywho, that's the deal. Anywho, so, also another mention for a bit. Take I'm a, sorry. Take a drink, everyone. <laughs> I know, I know. I, it's I'm so I'm actually annoyed with myself that I didn't go this morning. Having said that, I'm a, her biggest fan, and I would have kept all those kids out of the way to get to like her book signing. I would have been like hundred percent. I was I was actually messaging Andy from um the Spooky Island Radio podcast because oh, he said he messaged about um her hair and stuff like that, and I was like, you know, I'm supposed to be seeing her tomorrow, and I can't go. I was like, fuck. Anyways, they so at this point as well um. So after like all the stuff that's been going on, the BBC and all these other sort of radio stations start to get involved. There's a lot of media hype about it. I think the family as well um, were like kind of like shaded by the community eventually because there was so much drivel about it. And then like people were making up that they were like doing it for the cameras and it was all like a big ruse and stuff. I personally don't think it was a big ruse. I think something went on in that house. But like, is it is this place haunted? Yes. But um, I do... (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Done, yes. Um, but so they got a lot of Jeff and stuff. But anyway, the BBC came in and even on the BBC tapes when they were talking to Janet and they were asking her about how it all started and stuff, she was describing it and then all of a sudden this knocking started and they were like, how is and, and even they couldn't determine where it's coming from. They were like, this is weird as fuck. Let's go. So eventually as well the girls and the mother were so stressed out they felt like it was becoming so intense the investigators actually sent the girls away on a holiday so they sent them off to the sea like to stay by the seaside and stuff so they had five days out of the house and stuff like that and apparently it was like super super blissful and they had the best time ever but when they came back the intensity just again it got mental and even more like violent and stuff like that so I don't know why it took them so long to do this but Morris basically um, at this point was like, I'm going to try and like communicate with him through the knocks. So we started giving it all the, all right, okay, this means yes. You know, one knock for yes, two knocks for no or whatever. And what through that, the, the ghost eventually, or the polar guys did start to communicate with him. They managed to figure out that he was a man, um, that he lived at the house, but he was also like dicking them about. So he, like apparently there was one knock that like, it was like 54 knocks in a row or something like that. And um, he got to a point where he was getting pure frustrated with the poltergeist. And Morris eventually said, are you having a game with me? And as he said this, a box full of items was thrown across the room at him. <gasps> and, they, and they were recording it at the time. You can actually hear it like getting thrown and everyone being like, ah, whatever. And, like, oh, no. Have you listened to it? 
I have. I've listened to all of it. Yeah, it's, some of it's pretty scary. I'm actually going to play a recording in a minute, actually. Um, what? I know. I'm so well organised. So, um, yeah, so while all this was happening as well, I mentioned before there was a lot of scrutiny on it and they thought they'd faked it. Um, they, they had people coming around the house where um, they would do things like... Um, basically like you know like tests to see if things were happening so while the girls were on holiday they also had other like skeptic investigators about and apparently like they didn't find any evidence and it was like case closed and stuff but I'm like maybe you just had a bad day maybe nothing did happen these people have been there for months recording stuff and why would they be dissing about for no reason for months yeah 100%. um so anyway um by this point after he'd had that communication with her um Janet started to hallucinate more often so she would go into these like pure rash trances almost like she was like her body was being overtaken and she would just like wander about the place and stuff and they got loads of it on film and everything um so it, she was essentially being taken over by this entity quite like a lot more frequently and it got so bad that um <clears throat> there was a few disturbing moments where um she would like basically um, get out of bed in the middle of the night and like run into the wall and bang her head off the wall and things like that and one night a doctor was called and he had to come and sedate her like just to stop her from doing oh stuff because Morris was pure like scared that she was going to kill herself at one point <clears throat> so there was that um, and then basically one of the most disturbing moments that happened that was witnessed by the family and, and everyone that was like <laughs> and by this point the hundreds of people that were staying at the house Janet was dragged out of her bed by um, some entity, well, some obviously the entity or whatever. She was dragged through the room, dragged out of the door and down the stairs and the door opened by itself. And apparently this was all caught, like recorded by Morris and stuff like that, which was pure mental. After that happened, another doctor who also worked for the psychology research thingy-wingy, they got him in and stuff and they actually hypnotised Janet. And they said to her, um, in the in the hypnotized state, they asked her what happened with the hands, and obviously when you're hypnotized, you can't really lie. I don't think you know. So she said that um, she said that she she felt cold hands pulling her out the door, but she couldn't see them. And also in the same hypnotist um, session, she said that who's causing all the the bother around the house or whatever, and she was like me and my sister. <gasps> I know, but then Morris said in some of the interviews, he said, "I but." To be fair, they were always playing pranks as well, but they were doing things like they would hide my stuff and then be like the poltergeist did it, and it turned out it was them and stuff. It wasn't yeah, like, like kid malarkey type of way, and also like was that the entity possessing her trying to like divert attention away from him and make them think she was lying? Don't know. It was pure hijinks a lot of the time. A lot of the time, I was like, probably, haha. Of course, kids would do that because they were probably bored as well with all these poor mentalists being in the house and stuff. So totally, with all those people in the house, I would be doing that. Yeah. Um, so on another occasion, um, uh, or a few times, um, Graham Morris, who is a guy from the Daily Mirror, he was back in the house again, and um, he was taking pictures of the girls and stuff. And at one occasion, it's like a really super famous photo. I don't know if we've got it on Instagram already, but it's supposedly um, Janet was like, like she was launched out of her bed, and like she's half levitating there, and she went across yeah, the room. It's quite a famous photo, isn't it? It's famous. But I can see how it's quite controversial as well because, like, a lot of people think it does kind of look like she's jumping. Do you know what I mean? It's like, she's just there's no way that you can know for sure that that was thrown versus jumped. Like, there's no way you can know for sure. Nah, nah. So, but apparently that was what happened and stuff like that. But the thing that was weird was there was actually eyewitnesses from outside the house that saw the daughter, the Janet levitating. So there was a local baker guy who was going by in the morning and a lollipop lady both looked up at the window um, at the same time. And apparently she was described as lying horizontal, floating in the room with items around her. And the baker was like, swear down, like I saw her and stuff like that. And like, so did the lollipop lady. They're like, um, and the lollipop lady was so like confused by it. She went home and she was like trying to like, re- like trying to push herself up like the way the girl and she says there was no way she could have done that what she would have to be like some sort of like mega athlete to get that high with like just her hands or whatever so um so stuff like that was definitely happening which is a bit weird so now it's the penultimate kind of thing that started happening in the house and this is also like very like heavily documented so janet eventually at one point with the possessions getting more and more intense she started to speak 
in this strange voice and basically there was it was the voice of like what she, she described as bill so bill was like this old man that was supposedly the guy that was like haunting the house and the reason he was haunting the house was because it was his house and the i don't know if you've heard it but like the the vocal the vocality of the voice coming out of what's projected from her is just like nothing i've ever heard it's like a yeah I've heard it, it sounds it. like an old man's voice i'll play the recording yeah. in, a, in a second it's, it's very very low as well like i don't know how how she could replicate that pubescent girl could talk in a gruff voice like that for like you know a long time because like we could try and talk with a low voice and be like my name's bill i couldn't do it for like a full session it would, it would hurt well that was what mona said he said it, she continued up to three to four hours she'd continuously talk in this voice so they did like uh again they did like lots of medical examinations and stuff and and they determined that it wasn't coming from the larynx I don't know, you'll probably know more about this. It wasn't that. It was coming from another part of the voice because if she tried to create it through the larynx or like manipulate her voice, it would wreck her voice for life. Like she would but she doesn't obviously didn't affect like that. He says it would destroy her vocal cords. So it definitely wasn't that. Um so they were asking, so they asked, they kept asking this bill questions and stuff, and eventually um someone asked, well, I think it was Morris's son, asked, How did you die? And he said, um, I had, a, I'm obviously paraphrasing, I had a hemorrhage, I fell asleep in a chair and I died in the corner downstairs. So the weird thing about this is that they actually went off and verified who lived in the house before. So it, the house was in fact lived in by this guy, Bill and his wife and their kids and stuff. And they spoke to his son who also verified that, yeah, that's exactly how my dad died. He said his mum went out to the shops and she came back in and her husband had died in the chair downstairs. Mm-hmm. And that was like, there was no reason for someone to lie about that. Do you know what I mean? Um, What's weird is it's not like how Janet could have, like, you know, just looked up and known, known that. Like, you had to speak to several members of the family to actually know that that was what happened. I think it was the, also the, the the terminology that he, he used as well and like the way he spoke and the way the, the swearing and things like that. Of course, kids like love to slip in a swear word because they know it's naughty or whatever. But it was like, they would call it hemorrhage in itself is quite like a, an adult term. Yeah, to know that someone could die, but I didn't know about hemorrhage until I was much older. And then also as well, the son said that he was waiting outside the room, apparently, when they were doing one of these sessions. And he said that um, he was dying to get in and he kept wanting to like open the door and, and come in the room. And he must have just slightly opened the door a tiny bit. And the girl was posi- like, Janet couldn't see the door from when he was coming in. And then the voice said, shut that fucking door. Oh. <gasps> Yeah, so and there was no way that he could have known that that had opened. Um, I'm going to play a little bit of the recording for you because I just feel like it has to be listened to. Um, it's a proper, it's a bit of a, it's a spooky one. Like, So hopefully this will pick up pretty well. I want you to tell me whether you remember what happened to you when you died. I went blind. Then I had a language and not fell asleep. So it's a bit, I mean, it doesn't sound like a a girl's manipulating her voice like that. And imagine talking in that tone all that time. Only is it a male voice. It's a very old male, deep voice that sounds like he's been a smoker. Like that's not an easily forged voice. Yeah. It's like, it's weird. But the one thing Morris said about it as well, because I was like, oh, well, that's obviously evidence that the, the, the ghost of the man's haunting the house. But um, he said, well, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was just some other other realmly entity just emulating him. And I was like, oh, that makes me even scared. It was scary, scared. I mean, I know that they're like that doesn't necessarily mean anything, but it doesn't sound like he was a bad guy in his time. Like he had family and everything like that. So why would he be yeah. wanting Janet is the question. And it was a, it was an evil entity, they would say. Like it was like they even asked the ghost, though they asked the person as well when they were doing the knocking sessions, like why, why are you and why are you invest, why are you doing this to these girls? And it's like, do you think it's funny or whatever? And the guy was like, 
knock knock being like yes it is funny <laughs> what so, dick? like what dickhead like like completely like scaring the shit out of this family or whatever to the point of like mania and they're just he's just like ha it's great fun <laughs> what and, like his son opening the door and being like shut that fucking door i know i was like scary shit nice guy <laughs> nice guy so that so that was the kind of so that was the kind of penultimate point of the hauntings and stuff where eventually janet started to get properly taken over and speaking through there was also um the the skeptics as well because there was obviously multiple people coming into this they sent in like uh you know people that can throw their voice like uh you know they sort of what they be dummies that folk do again like ventriloquists yeah so they got people in like that and then there was some ventriloquist said that like oh she's throwing her voice and stuff like that but you're like that's a skill how would you know how to do that like you know what i mean it's just crazy if you like i don't know if that would even count for like oh my god i thought i thought i saw something in the behind you there i don't know if you saw (laughs) honestly i saw like a black thing (laughs) oh it's from my chair no, I mean like above you. Did you? Let's pretend that didn't happen. Don't tell me shit like that when we're on the fucking podcast. You saw me like go like that. Was it like, not my hair? I did. I did like that. Maybe. It was don't you. fucking tell me. Don't like, tell me anything like that. I'm gonna have to go out and leave the cats for a bit, so I don't want them here getting haunted. Fine, it's probably just a trick of the eye. There um, is somebody. There is somebody downstairs today. I heard them knocking together a coffin. Somebody's in there. Please don't bother me. <laughs> Anyways, I've lived here. I have lived here for three and a half years, babes. I can't remember what I was about to say. It's all from me off. Sorry. Don't you bloody do that again, by the way. Anyway, it was like a react. It was like a kind of reaction, like that. I, I didn't oh, mean to react. Oh. You know what? You don't even think about it. Anyway. Well, whatever. I don't feel anything. The house still feels very sellable. So let's just <laughs> stick to that. Um, anyway. Yeah. So I guess you take the cats to my mum's. <laughs> no, it's fine. Maybe it was just something in the corner of my eye or something. Yeah, probs. Anyways, so this was the penultimate point where um, this happened and stuff like that. And she was like, so what they eventually did as well, um, after the ventriloquist, oh, we're talking about the ventriloquist. Um, after all that bullshit, they basically said, right, okay, we're going to send Janet for like psychological studies. So that with the help of Morris and all the other people that were involved and stuff, they sent her away. And basically they found nothing wrong with her. She was totally fine, normal little teenage girl, just, you know, nothing psychologically wrong with her, blah, blah, blah. But she went away for a fair wee bit. And then when she came back, she was, um, she was fine. It was a shock. So she was fine. And not only that, the actual haunting themselves or the activity and stuff actually got a lot um, got a lot better. The thing so, is, what I was going to say before I freaked us out was the ventriloquism thing with Janet. Like, there's a difference between being able to, like, throw your voice and being able to do, like, an old man smoker voice. I just, think, I just think it's, like, not the same as being able to just throw your voice. Like, she's... No way she was able to throw that voice and speak like that. Like, no way. No, it's a lot of bullshit. Because they kept saying as well, like, oh, because it didn't, it didn't feel like the voice was coming out her mouth, but it was. And then somebody made pure, like, a bitchy comment, being like, oh, she's got big teeth, so she couldn't close, close her voice in, or close her mouth anywhere or whatever. And I was like, all right, don't have to give her a complex or whatever, bitch. Like, she did have quite big teeth, to be honest I don't think she needs you to, like, get, point it out. I think she's gone through enough. Yeah, she's gone through enough. You don't have to point out her dental work. But thank God she got braces. So she's now, our teeth are fine today. But anyway, um, so after she went to the psychological stuff, she came back home. She was totally like, they were like, she's totally fine. No bother about this girl. The hauntings eventually stopped. And do you know, Peggy Hodgson lived in that house until 2003 when she died. So she she never moved again. Oh my God. Yes, it was fine after that. There's a comment, Janet made a comment saying like there was always something in the house, but it wasn't to the extent of like what it was when we first like moved there and stuff like that. And like for all intents and purposes, they had like quite a lovely life. And like um the daughters now, Margaret, Janet, whatever the hell the boys were called, because I didn't even research that bit. Um they all have pretty, pretty nice lives. But they are um 
but they've, they've obviously been like shaken up by it though because it's not I, I didn't get a, they, they weren't laughing about it do you know what I mean absolutely so, yeah and then I did mention as well there the Warrens Ed and Lauren, Lorraine Warren who are obviously the famous demonologists and stuff like that they did actually come to the they came to the house as well which is what The Conjuring 2 is is more focused around their story and it was actually quite a lovely moment um because I was watching like a behind the scenes Conjuring thing where um the girls Janet and Margaret met um Lorraine Warren again because obviously she's still alive at the time and um it was quite nice because they were like you know when Lorraine came to visit us and stuff like we we felt like things were gonna get better like because she was so like and obviously Lorraine Warren was a psychic as well so she's like I think she brought a lot of like you know good vibes to the house and stuff like that um having somebody to completely like validate what you're going through must have been you know oh yeah I mean the the Warrens themselves said it was one of the most clearest cases of like poltergeist activity they've ever seen or whatever well, did they like was it a possession from like an evil entity was it this guy do we, we don't know do, do we know they didn't know i can't remember what as i said i didn't go into the warren's investigation as much but i think it was an they suggested it was more of an entity than an old man um but yeah and the, the conjuring universe like i think it did a lot of justice as well because they they got the, they took the girls on set like which their old bedroom and shit like that and they were like my god this is exactly like our room and i was like what what tip <laughs> like, oh my god don't tell anyone that <laughs> i was like mm. um but they then the warrens visited enfield in 1978 as well so they were like a, a bit of a like a year later or they, they were down the same time as Morris, but like slightly later, because it was 1977 that the, the stuff kicked off. So I think it was all this sort of media attention. But they were convinced it was a genuine, a genuine poltergeist thing. And it's probably one of the worst they said that they'd seen. And so what do you know what what was the reason for the Warrens going there in the first place? Um, I think I just heard about it. Right, okay. So it wasn't necessarily they were like asked for help as such, they kind of went there off their own accord. Um, they no, they didn't ask for the warrants to come. I think they just came over, or maybe they did. And like I said, I didn't really go into that or whatever. So there, maybe they just turned up because they were wanting some of the pure sweet glam. But like basically, I, I think the warrants turning up was like a pure massive deal though, because they were already world renowned. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it was like a proper. I don't know how Morris felt about that. Maybe he was like fucking bitches coming in, pure stealing my glory or whatever. The thunder bitches stealing my bloody thunder but anyway um so I'm kind of I'm not skeptical to be honest with you I when I was reading about it earlier I was like mm, where those girls at it but then I've watched the videos I've watched all the stuff and I'm like nah there's no way and they wouldn't put themselves through it because it was a horrible time for them and also like I think that like sometimes playing pranks or being at it doesn't mean they were the whole time you know nah nah they definitely weren't um, but anyway, so that is the Enfield Portergeist. So that was yeah. that was really interesting, Lauren. That was really interesting. Thank you. I actually, I wasn't so sure about it initially, but then I thought, you know, as I got into it and stuff, I quite enjoyed sort of researching it and that. And I do feel for those girls. I think they went through like quite a pure tough time and the mother and stuff. Would probably be quite traumatizing to go through, like especially. Yeah. I know, I know, but I'm pure glad that like she ended up staying in the house and she had like a nice life after that or whatever. Happy for you, pigs. Plus, I'm thinking those girls must have kicked up some cash because, like, when you think about it, their story got used in The Conjuring, the Universal, like, you know, for Universal. There's loads of other things that were made about it, loads of interviews and stuff. So they probably made a good penny in the end as well. So at the end of this, is this place haunted? Yes, I think is the verdict, isn't it? Yes, this place is haunted. Yeah, 100%. I would love to go and visit it and see what it would be like. I think someone's like living there now as well. Like it's like it's probably a really fucking expensive house in London. Can you imagine living in that house and all that happened? Yeah, no. I'd be like, proper, I'd be like, no, I'm not living here. Sorry, that's a bit much. Especially <laughs> for me, that's a bit much. Especially since the ghost was like somebody who had lived there before, so it's not like it would follow Janet. Like he literally lived in that house. Well, that's the thing because it didn't because they went to the beach and they were fine. Exactly, which makes me think that it's more like because demonic possession. It doesn't matter where you go, does it? Like it follows you everywhere. So it makes me wonder if it is just a bad guy. Yeah, maybe. Well, that was wonderful, though, Lauren. Loved it. Fabulous. Thanks very much. Thanks for thanks for holding up through the whole episode, even though I can visibly see that you're lying down on your bed. Yeah, I am. That's COVID getting to me, babe. 
Great. Well, thank you for everyone who has downloaded this episode and is listening to it as we speak or has listened to it. Um, please rate us as you know good as you can on all of the major platforms and write as a review, actually. Just say like Lauren's funny sometimes, but she's also a bit, you know, just say whatever. Hey, Lauren loves a bit. Like, yeah, just a bit for it. <laughs> just that, yeah. Um, rate is is Olivia ever will? <laughs> yeah, is Olivia ever will? You've actually been sick every episode. Yeah, I reckon almost. Yeah. Well, I, I had COVID just over a month ago, and has a chest infection, and now I have COVID and a chest infection together. Oh my God, you're such a diva. No, my lungs are, babe. It's not even me. Your your diva lungs are kicking off again. They're just like we are not refuse to work. So deal with that. Yeah. So anyway, you thanks again, guys. COVID, 10 out of 10, do not recommend. <laughs> yeah, no more COVID, please. Too much. I think I think three times is a bit much to go on with you. Too far. Wear a mask though. I do all the time. So it oh. sneaks around your masks. Well, I got it from mom and dad. Oh god, that's right. So I can't I'm I'm not wearing a, a mask in my own home, I draw the line. But That's so true. Um, wonderful episode, loved it, Lauren. And I have a fabulous idea for an episode next week. <gasps> Looking forward to it, bitch. Will I say it now or will I keep the the excitement? What, I'll what? keep it a surprise. Really, I really want to say it. <laughs> All right, say it. Go and say it. Tell everyone or tell me. I'm going to do an episode on the Ouija board, how it came <gasps> to me. I know, buzz in. I'm absolutely buzz in. I'm not gonna. I maybe won't do that in this house. Then I don't like that kind of shit. I'm not gonna do a Ouija board. Yeah, but I don't even like talking about it. Do you want me to not do it? No, do it. Do do it. I'm just a bit like. I'm only joking. Definitely do it. I'll maybe do it. From, I'll maybe do the episode from the car. Am I gonna traumatize you in the process? No, that sounds like a fantastic idea. Well done. Fabulous. Well, we will see you guys next week for another episode of Is This Place Haunted? Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. are on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns